So I've had friends that have had kids in the, in the past and something that was always lost on me was I had one friend say that they just, he was sitting there holding his daughter and he was saying that he could just stare at her. And it was foreign to me because I'm like, dude, all kids look like the same. Like, I don't get it. But <laughs> I was obsessed with just, just staring at her. Welcome to Dad Splaining, a weekly chronicle of all the weirdest, messiest, grossest, and funniest parts of fatherhood hosted by two first-time dads. I'm Jesse. And I'm Brandon. And this week, we are talking with Richard. Richard is a listener of the show, and he is also a new dad. He is going to be sharing his experience going through with his wife, the pregnancy process, and the childbirth and everything else in the age of COVID. So how the pandemic has affected everything from going in for appointments to who can be in the delivery room and all of that fun stuff. Before we get into the episode, Brandon, if our listeners want to reach out to us with questions or comments, or if they'd like to share their own story like Richard's going to do today, where can they find us? Please give us a like or a follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dadsplaining Podcast. You can reach out to us directly, as Richard did, at dadsplainingpodcast at gmail.com. And then you can check out our podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Man, I'm just terrible at <laughs> Hey, that's all right. It's a, you know, it's it's one of those days. I feel you. Uh, be sure to subscribe to us on the podcasting platform of your choice and join our parenting group on Facebook. Just search for Dad Splaining a Parenting Group. It is a great place to connect with other parents in a similar phase of life. Ask questions, ask for advice, brag on your kids, share stupid parenting memes, or just vent about how hard parenting can be. We would love to have you. Lastly, if you enjoy what you're hearing, we would greatly appreciate it if you could leave us a rating and a review on podcast apps like Apple Podcasts. It's a great way for us to expand our reach, connect with more parents, and just build on what we've been doing for the past couple of years. We are grateful for everybody who's been along for the ride, and we can't wait to keep it going. So Every time you leave a review, a baby sleeps soundly through the night somewhere in the world helping that parent. Exactly. And one night that baby could be yours. So, all right. We're not going to waste any time today. We are going to bring in our guest, Richard. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So as I mentioned at the top of the show, Richard is a new dad. Uh, His child was born eight weeks ago. And Richard, I would love for you to kind of take us to the very beginning and we can start from there. When did you find out you were going to be a dad and what was that like? Um, I found out late July, early August ish. That day was kind of a kind of a shock and a blur, but yeah, it was it was late July, and it was um, it's kind of a shock. I had just turned thirty seven. My wife mm-hmm. is I don't know how old she is. I was always taught not to ask those kinds of questions to women. Good man. She's we'll just say more than five, but less than ten years older than I am. Okay. Um, so we both kind of thought that that ship had sailed for us. We never really thought we were going to be parents. We welcomed it. You know, we weren't saying no to the idea or anything like that, but, um, so yeah, it was, a, it was a big shock. Wow. Okay. So pretty surreal. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's, it's a real experience for anyone, but especially yeah. if it's something that you hadn't, uh, had in mind before it happened. Um, yeah. So this was July of last year, obviously at the uh, the height or one of the heights of the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020. Um, when you and your wife started going through the process of scheduling appointments and going to see the OBGYN, uh, what was that experience like? So initially, um, we were both able to be in the room. So I was able to meet the OBGYN and then I was able to 
be in the room for the initial um, ultrasound. So I got to hear the heartbeat for the first time, and nice. I got to experience that, which was which was really cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as as COVID changed, then the hospital's rules changed as well. So then I wasn't able to participate in as many of the the appointments. Yeah, yeah, no, I understand what that's like. Um, now, were you and your wife both working at the time? Were you having to like schedule your work schedule around appointments, take time off, that kind of thing? Yeah, we're we're both working. We work together as well. Our boss was really understanding, and we just said, kind of told him the deal and asked if we could work from home. So we were able to work with our schedules in that way. But yeah, we were both working full time and using sick leave and you know PTO and things like that as needed. Good, good. Um, I like to kind of dig into the mentality um, that kind of evolves and changes as guys learn that they're going to be dads and kind of go through the pregnancy process. When exactly did it hit you, you know, emotionally that you were going to be a dad? Like, what was that process like of getting into that mindset? Sometimes I feel like it still hasn't hit me, mm-hmm. even, though, even though I'm holding this, I can hold this beautiful girl. But I would say it hit me when I heard the heartbeat for the first time. Yeah. Um, that's when I was like, okay, so this is actually happening. All right. Nice. So, and what was the pregnancy experience like for your wife? Was it uh, relatively smooth? Were there any surprises along the way? Uh, any difficulties? We always like to share things like that because that's something that, uh, I mean, any parent can go through and it, it may help, you know, to kind of share a little bit of that uh, with parents that are getting into the process. I wish I could say it was relatively smooth. It was not because of her age. She was considered at risk for right. a number of different things. She also has hypertension. So she was at risk for preeclampsia as well. Mm -hmm. And then there was also gestational diabetes that she was diagnosed with about two months in, I think. So there was that whole, that whole process and um, figuring out the, the diet that goes along with, with that. And yeah, it was, it was far from smooth. Gotcha. And what were you able to do kind of as the dad to, you know, lend some support or, you know, something like that? Well, I did the diet with her. You know, nice. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to sit there and eat a bunch of Twizzlers and Laffy Taffies while she couldn't. <laughs> um, everything that she was going through, I wanted to go through just to be that that support. And that's, I felt that that was the best way that I could lend support. That's awesome. And that's actually, Brandon, I don't know if you made this mistake, um, but I made a mistake in the delivery room. It was at the point in the process where my wife was not allowed to eat anything except for ice chips. So, you know, couldn't drink anything, couldn't eat any snacks, that kind of thing. And I tried for the most part to not eat or at least not eat in front of her in solidarity. But I did sneak some Pop-Tarts. And uh, obviously, it's not the same as, you know, going through gestational diabetes. But in the delivery room and that part of the process, or really at any part of the process in the pregnancy, um, you definitely want to do all that you can to kind of feel like you're in solidarity with your partner so that they're not going through it alone. So good for you, Richard, for doing that. I definitely ate like a sub sandwich like in the delivery room, you know, because, you know, it was dinner time. I was getting a little hungry. Uh, <laughs> my, no, but my folks were there. And so that, you know, they had to eat something and mm-hmm. they just like brought me something. And I just like went into a corner and I was like, it's kind of like, yeah, hiding, but maybe this room. Yeah. I, I'm a little curious. Maybe if you could give us a little insight, Richard, because neither of us, Jesse had the gestational diabetes crop up. And that's something that is like, you know, it's a total surprise, right? Like if you don't have diabetes going in and then you right. kind of, please stop me if I'm getting it wrong, but like you develop it a more or less like out of nowhere, you're told like, Hey, you now have this. 
because of going through the pregnancy, like uh, the, the process kind of like creates this change, if you will, um, right. in your body. And then is it, um, you know, permanent from then on or like can kind of manifest during the pregnancy and then can kind of go away? Or I don't know, you probably have more information than we do on that, though. I don't have a whole lot more information than that. I do know that it can become permanent. In our situation, it, it didn't, luckily. And it, it does, it just manifests. There's something with the placenta doesn't let insulin in or like, mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly what that whole process is. But essentially what we had to do was count carbs, eat a diabetic meal. Mm-hmm. And that was really interesting. That was a, an eye-opening experience just in general because you're reading everything. You're, you're counting carbs on, on vegetables. You're counting carbs on meat and different packaged things that you you thought, well, this is healthy, but it's really not. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. that, was, that was an eye-opening experience for sure. Where did you go for resources to figure out how to handle that? Were you getting information from the doctor? Were you like reading books or going online? All of the above. So Mm -hmm. what happened was my wife's OBGYN had actually given her a referral to a a dietitian who gave her some information to to go off of. And then as we were coming up with recipes, it's, it's actually pretty fortunate that right now keto is a really big thing. Mm -hmm. So we could, we could kind of find some recipes that were based off of the keto diet and then go from there and then do our, our math and carb counts and yeah, find recipes online and search what, how many calories are, or how many carbs are in garlic. Like you wouldn't think that garlic has carbs, but it does. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like it doesn't have a sticker on it, right? There's no like nutrition label on a clove of garlic. Like how do you, (laughs) how do you get that? Oh, that's really interesting. So did you guys go to any of the, uh, like, there's different options uh, in the process. Uh, Like some people go to classes, like birthing classes and pregnancy classes. Some people go to support groups, that kind of thing. Um, Did y'all do any stuff like that to kind of, you know, sort of learn the process? Yeah. So um, the hospital that we were registered at, they offered just some virtual classes for breastfeeding and, and for general birthing classes. So we took both of those options and then just did some online forums and and things like that. Okay. What would you say was the most difficult part of the pregnancy process? Was it the gestational diabetes? Probably. Yeah, I would say that was the most difficult part because it took a long time to figure out that sweet spot of like, what was a good number of carbs to eat per meal. And then by the time we got that figured out, it was go time. Gotcha. And you say go time. Uh, you mentioned to us beforehand that uh, your child was born. You said, was it six weeks prematurely? Yes, six weeks premature. I'd like to kind of go through that story, uh, if you could, okay. in as many details as you're willing to share. Was there a particular reason that she came early? Were there any complications as a result of that? And what was the what was delivery day like? Could you walk us through that? Yeah, absolutely. So as I had mentioned earlier, um, my wife has hypertension. So she twice a day, she's checking her blood pressure. Um, and at one point, her blood pressure readings were a little higher than comfortable. So she called the doctor and, you know, they said, go into the ER, see what they say. And long story short, they sent her home with like instructions to call if they reach above these these specific numbers. So fast forward to February 6th, she took her blood pressure and it was 160 over 100, which is very high. So we 
went in thinking that, you know, it was just going to be uh, keep checking, take this med, be on your way. It was very shocking because they said that as we were sitting there, they're like, so we're going to start inducing you. And we both just looked at each other with kind of that same look you just gave, Jesse. Yeah. The oh crap face. Like, are you kidding? This is happening right now. Like, we've still got six weeks. And when I say six weeks, I say six weeks from her due date because of because of the hypertension and other risks. She was probably going to be induced a week early, but she still wasn't quite full term yet. So yeah, we're sitting there and the nurse gets off the phone with the on-call doctor because it was probably nine o'clock, nine thirty at night. And yeah, she says, we're going to induce you. And then my wife says with, you know, a shocked look saying she's in breach position. So throughout the whole pregnancy, my daughter was actually in, I can't remember what form of breach it's called, but it's basically the one where she was folded in half, butt first. Oh, So she would have come out butt first and there was just no way that that was going to happen. So it, it turned out to be a very emergency surprise c-section mm-hmm. and then because of the hypertension and the blood pressure readings uh, my wife had uh, severe preeclampsia so she was given a healthy dose of, of magnesium to eliminate the possibility of seizures during delivery okay um, so yeah that was leading up to the delivery and then the nurses put me in some scrubs sat me in a room and then i sat there for what was probably about five to 10 minutes, but it felt a lot longer than that. I'm just kind of worried and not knowing what was going to happen. So then they brought me back and I got to see her delivered and see her born. So that was, that was good. Nice. I, um, my son was uh, delivered via C-section as well. And that's, it's a very unique experience because often, you know, sometimes it's, it's planned that way. Sometimes you don't know until it's going to happen that, hey, this has to be a C-section. Um, did y'all know going into it? I know that uh, she was going to be scheduled to be induced. Did y'all know the whole time that it was going to probably need to be a C-section or was that something that they kind of figured out day of? No, um, ironically enough, two days before or about two or three days before she'd had an appointment and the nurse said, well, she's got about a week to turn and she didn't turn because uh, she didn't give us a week. <laughs> she was ready. She's in a hurry. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, uh, that's the way it goes sometimes. You'll forever tell your daughter that she's just totally stubborn from like day zero. Well, she's got two pretty stubborn parents, so it's I can't really count that against her. That's that's sure. on us. How long was the entire process of uh, delivery, including the C-section? Um, so we went in about nine thirty on on February sixth, and our daughter was born at twelve forty one on February seventh. So super early in the morning. Wow. Okay. And um, being that it was in the pandemic, were who was in the room with you? You know, like a lot of times, like for me, my family was coming in and out of the room before the birth, uh, not during. Um, you know, sometimes the grandparents are in the room, that kind of thing. Were you allowed to have anybody in there with you or did it have to be kind of stripped down and like kept well, this essential? It had to be pretty stripped down just from the hospital's COVID protocols, but neither my wife nor I have family in the state. So we were essentially, you know, alone anyway. I mean, that's how we were planning it to begin with. So that wasn't really that big of a shock. And you're in the room when it actually happens. So you get to Mm -hmm. see it. Uh, But I know, at least from my experience, uh, and I think you mentioned this before, that when they 
brought your wife back into the room for the C-section that you had to kind of sit outside for a few minutes while they got started. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Now tell me, and I, I'm asking this specifically because I remember for me, that was a very emotional moment. I was very nervous because I didn't know what was going on. I was outside. I was away from my wife. I couldn't be there with her at first. Uh, and there was just a lot going through my mind. Where was your head during that point, if you can remember? Yeah, there was a lot going through my mind. You know, on one hand, I knew that she was in the best hands. They were going to do a lot more for her than I could have. But on the other hand, you know, my my hackles were up. Like I was, I was like, I was pretty protective and scared and anxious because you don't know what's going to happen. You know, I'm, I've seen too many movies and TV shows and heard too many stories to know what could go wrong. And luckily, none of that did. Yeah. Did you guys have a birth plan going into it? So again, ironically, we're both kind of planners. She mm -hmm. more than I am. But we went in knowing that this isn't exactly something that you can plan for. You know, you can have as many plans as you want. But we just knew that there are too many variables, especially in our situation, too many variables to to follow a plan. So we just said, we're going to do whatever is right for both her and, and the baby. Yeah. And, and you, you kind of came in knowing, you know, you had some existing complications, if you will, that you could kind of, you know, to the best of your ability, like mentally prepare for it. There were still a lot of surprises, it sounds like on the day of. So yeah. did you feel yourself like, you know, it's a ton of chaos, but like, even when, you know, some things came up, you're like, okay, I kind of expected some things because we knew there were some issues or, you know, was it still just like a totally overwhelming, like surprise at one after another throughout the day? Oh yeah. It was, it was definitely an overwhelming surprise <laughs> because not only was I, I worried about what was going on with my wife and daughter, but we also, we have a 215 pound dog and a, and a bunny rabbit at home that I was also like worried about mm -hmm. how are they going to get fed and, and all that. So, mm, yeah, yeah. I've thrown all the challenges at it. So yeah. um, I guess immediately, you know, post um, C-section, like what, what kind of, what were the next steps after that? Like you're obviously you're six weeks ahead of schedule, which itself was probably a week ahead of schedule uh, or quote normal or whatever you want to call it. Like what, what happens immediately after in that situation for you guys? So what happened was because of the, the magnesium that my wife was given, she wasn't actually able to hold our daughter because there's, there's too many risks of, of falling. And yeah, it's just a bunch of different reasons why they don't let women that have had that magnesium hold the baby right away. So I was actually the first one to be able to see my daughter. She was in an incubator. Um, so I, we weren't able to hold her until two days old, I think. And then we weren't able to see her together at the same time until the day she came home. Wow. I can't, I mean, I gotta be honest. I can't imagine what that's got to feel like to go through the birth and then not be able to hold your yeah. child for two days. Um, I mean, obviously I'm sure there's a lot of worry and fear and anxiety in that process. And then also the frustration, how did y'all handle that? It was hard. You know, I'm, I'm not going to say it wasn't, but it was really just us knowing that she's in the hospital. She's with the professional. She's with who, who needs to take care of her, her the best and who's best trained to do so. And then we could only see her one at a time. I felt that it was more important for my wife to have as much of that time to be with her as possible. Just there's a lot of emotion going on and my wife just needed that that closeness. And, and I did too. So I, I, I went up there more at night while my wife was sleeping and, and I could still still hold her and things like that. But 
yeah, it was really just knowing that she was where she needed to be to get healthiest. Yeah, that level of trust, I think, is really important. And that's something we've heard from other parents is that you have mm -hmm. to, at a certain point, you have to keep in mind that even when they're not right next to you, which especially at the very beginning to not have the child right next to you, uh, that was hard for us. I can imagine it's going to be very hard for y'all. But to keep in mind that they're with the professionals who, A, have studied their whole lives to do this, B, have done it a million times, and C, are committed, you know, to taking care of that child in the best possible way, you have to be able to to mm -hmm. trust the doctors and nurses at that point, uh, just in order to keep your sanity, honestly. Right. Um, how long were y'all there? How long did you stay in the hospital uh, after birth? She was in for four days. My wife was, was mm -hmm. in for four days. We live really close to the hospital. Um, so I was able to leave and, and come back as I needed to, mm -hmm. as I said earlier, to take care of the, the animals. And essentially what we had to, every time I, I came back, I had to get screened, basically. Oh, know? yeah. So that was, but yeah, it was about four days. And then I would say the hardest part was packing our stuff from the hospital and coming home without our daughter. That, mm -hmm. was, that was incredibly emotional and just, just difficult. No, I, I can imagine that it, that would be. Was that because of COVID reasons where you guys yeah. needed to free up space essentially in the hospital, more or less? Yeah, more okay. or less to free up space and, and with insurance and all that. Like they were just, there's nothing else we can do for you. So got to make room for the, for the next person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. I, I think that's something that no one's really talking about that right now. But I think when we look back on this time period, we're going to notice that everyone who went through birth during COVID, that went through a major medical issue, whether it was the virus or something else, that there are so many layers of added difficulty, not just being sick, but having to deal with all of the added complications and all of the added anxieties. And like you said, in terms of insurance, you know, costs that, uh, that we're really going to have to unpack that for a long time. Um, mm -hmm. So when did you finally get to bring your daughter home? It was a week later. Um, okay. So actually, I believe it was a day after Valentine's Day. Wow. Oh, wow. What a special day that was. Yeah. So and I, I think that was and like I said, we live we live so close. Uh, we mm -hmm. can actually see the hospital from our back door. So I'm wow. very close. So we were able to we went up there. You know, at least two times a day, sometimes more when we could. Um, yeah. And because my wife, had, she had just had a C-section, she wasn't able to drive. So I, I drove drove her up there and we would take turns because one of us was allowed, only one of us was allowed in the, in the nursery at a time. Mm -hmm. So she would go up and then I would go up. And we gotcha. Yeah. And, and I understand from talking with you before the show that um, you spent some of that time waiting in the car for your turn by listening to some podcasts, including yeah, certain, that's certain parenting podcasts. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Oh, my God. Um, I'm glad we didn't make you more nervous. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's something that's important. And it's not that I'm trying to plug the show, but that I think it is important for dads at this stage of the process to reach out to other dads and hear like, how did other parents handle this situation? Um, asking questions, getting advice, even just commiserating that kind of thing. Did it help to hear about other experiences? You know, like some of the other parents that have come on our show, that kind of thing to be able to relate to that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's actually why I was looking for for podcasts, um, because I found that a little over two years ago, I, I got sober. And mm -hmm. one of the best things that helped me was to hear real life examples of, of people's stories and how they did it and, 
and how they got through some of those difficult times. Yeah. Uh, so that's why I was looking for for like real life examples on dad's yeah. stories, basically. Okay. Awesome. And congratulations and good for you, by oh, the way, as a side yeah, thank note. You. Thank you. So let's jump to you finally bring your daughter home the day after Valentine's Day. Um, as any new parent knows, those first few days and weeks are so weird, uh, mm -hmm. mostly from lack of sleep and just from living a totally different lifestyle uh, in your home. Walk us through what was that like? Uh, how, how long were you all sleeping? How often did you have to wake up? What was uh, your wife's recovery like? Because I know that recovering from a C-section takes a long time. Mm -hmm. What? How did you guys handle all of that? You keep saying this sleep word. I'm not familiar. With it. <laughs> um, it gets well, better. Trust me. The light's at the end of the tunnel. I keep hearing that, but I'm still waiting. No, uh, the first couple of days, it, it was rough. We both slept for, she probably slept for about a half an hour at a time. Admittedly, I slept a little bit longer at a time, but I was up for longer periods of time. So it was, neither one of us wanted to go to sleep because we didn't want to miss anything. And we had the added struggle of getting our dog used to, used to the smell of, of our daughter. So that was interesting, but successful. Were there any, um, it's a different experience for dads and moms, uh, the, the blunt as we can describe it, right? Um, what kinds of things did you find yourself like, you know, enjoying right off the bat? Did you like, in, you know, want to insert yourself in certain things so that you could kind of like, you know, help find, find your lane, if you will? Like what, what kind of the parts of those early days did you, you know, find yourself kind of, uh, you know, enjoying? So I've had friends that have had kids in the, in the past and Something that was always lost on me was I had one friend say that they just, he was sitting there holding his daughter and he was saying that he could just stare at her. And it was foreign to me because I'm like, dude, all kids look like the same. Like, <laughs> I don't get it. But <laughs> I was obsessed with just, just staring at her. So that became like very real. To me. And, it's, and we, we kind of shared responsibilities. My wife would do pumping for the breast milk and then I would feed. So we would share the, the responsibilities at the same time. That's awesome. And that's very important um, to be able to be a part of. I mean, I, I'd say the feeding process is something where the mom is going to have a, a natural connection with the child, whether they're breastfeeding or whether they're you know doing formula or whatever the case is. And it's, I think sometimes dads feel like in that situation, oh, there's nothing, I can't do anything. I can't feed the child from myself the way that the mom does. So what am I going to do? But really like, you know, cradling the kid and holding the bottle to their mouth, that kind of mm -hmm. thing. It, it really, you get a lot out of it. You know, the warm, fuzzy feeling, obviously, of having that contact with your child and nurturing them, but then also being able to kind of relieve your wife of you know, I mean, any little piece of work, you know, anything helps. And the more that you jump in and do, the more rest she's going to be able to get. And uh, I mean, that's, I, I'd say one of the easiest ways to jump right. in and really feel like you're contributing something uh, and not to feel like you're just an innocent bystander watching from the sidelines. Right. And another way that I did that was, again, because my wife was still recuperating from her C-section, I did all the running around. I ran all the errands. I I did the grocery shopping and, you know, did all that stuff and doing what I could to help out. And we've always been a good team. So that, that's that awesome. Helps. It, you know, and it's this is just kind of coming to me. I remember after my son David was born, it's like there's a, a short period. And for us, it was a couple of months before 
you're comfortable taking the child out of the house and kind of going out and getting coffee and that kind of thing. And so for a long time, you're just maybe going out one person at a time while the other person stays home with the kid. And for us, I mean, that just felt so weird because we were used to always going out together for coffee dates and lunch dates and that kind of thing. But I mean, in 2021, there's not a whole lot of going out and spending time and having fun outside anyway. So y'all have been kind of, it's like it's built in, you know, you were doing that before. Um, Mm -hmm. So has it felt being new parents uh, in the middle of the pandemic, has it felt more isolated than it was before the child was born? Or is this just kind of, it's, is it a natural continuation of what life was like beforehand? I think it's a, it's a mixture because we used to go out together to, to get groceries when there was nobody else in the store and, you know, do all that good stuff. Um, yeah. And now it's just one of us. So it feels the same, but it's, it's still kind of feels a little more isolated because you're running those errands by yourself and then one one parent staying home with with the kid gotcha okay so at eight weeks old i'm trying to remember what milestones our kids were hitting back then and it's been so long that uh, nothing's honestly coming to mind where is your daughter in the development stages like what is she doing these days she's starting to track with her head Mm -hmm. which is pretty cool to see and I'm still trying to get her to to smile when I smile because I I just know that that's going to melt my heart. Oh, Um, yeah, it does. But, yeah, that's where she's really starting to – you can see, like, when we go into a new room and I have her in in the crook of my arm, she's like, oh, wait, what's that ceiling? Like, she, I think she's, she's grasping what the different ceiling fans look like. That's so funny. The littlest details. Yeah, that they start to pick up and like realize that there's a world around them and yeah, just being able to observe things. That's it's fascinating to watch them start to do that. Yeah, she almost moves her head like, well, that's new. So it's it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Do you do you feel like there's any uh, like little neat things that you've kind of developed? Like, um, I feel like I remember that uh, I had a knack for like a certain way I kind of bounced around like getting my, my son to kind of calm down a little bit and maybe he would cry five minutes later, but you know, five minutes a piece was a big deal in the early days, you know, uh, like a, a special like rocking technique, a chair situation, something that you were like, Oh wow. I can't believe I figured that out. <laughs> I would say swaddling. Ooh yeah. Good one. Like That's a big one. I've, yeah. I've gotten to, to where I can swaddle her. So it's not too tight, but she's also not like wiggling out of it. So I've, I found that sweet spot. So awesome. she, is she like a big swaddle fighter? Because, I mean, we both had big swaddle fighters, me and Jesse. Uh, we had to do a double mm-hmm. swaddle for my son. Wow. Like, 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 like maniac psych ward uh, swaddle control. <laughs> it kind of depends. More often than not, she's cool with it. But if she's really tired, then she'll she'll fight the swaddle. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember, what was the name of the swaddle technique? The, the bat wing swaddle, I feel like, which is just swaddle. a cool name yeah. for a swaddle. I mean, why, yeah. wouldn't, why wouldn't you want to do that? It, mm-hmm. it was like literally had to pin the arms down with one swaddle and then wrap them with the, yeah. the secondary swaddle. Um, what about, uh, like, are you are you finding yourself picking up anything, uh, a habit or a show or anything that's just like getting you through the tough times in the middle of the night or anything like that? Oh, just anything brainless to just check out. I think we've been through all of the Friends. We watched the Friends seasons, the How I Met mm-hmm. Your Mothers, mm-hmm. a couple others. Just, you know, brainless ones that we can just zone out and hold a bottle. Yeah. 
some it's like it's funny it's like sometimes you need something where i i remember brandon you you and austin your wife watched um a series called the letdown about new moms oh, and i couldn't do it Dude, yeah, we made you got it through, through a like couple two or three that. episodes, and it was way too realistic. And I was like, yeah. I don't need to relive this because I'm living it every day. Exactly. Sometimes <laughs> you just need to escape. Anything that was too specific to what we were actually going through, because everything you're mm -hmm. going through is a, is a struggle. Nothing's yeah. easy. And so seeing somebody else go through it, I was like, oh, no, I, I don't need any more. <laughs> you know, prior to getting the confirmation that my wife was pregnant, um, she had started to watch a show on Netflix called Call the Midwife. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We stopped because that's when she was like wondering if maybe, maybe I'm pregnant, maybe not. And then like there were some things in there that just made it too real. And she's like, nope, can't do that. I feel like after having a kid, I'm aware that like any doctor show, way too much stuff happens to kids. It's not oh my cool. gosh, yeah. Like, why are we right. doing that? Why do mm -hmm. we want to have an episode where we're like, oh, the baby's not going to make it? Or like, who yeah. needs that in there? There's enough. Can we just have a regular aged person yeah. dealing with a crisis? We don't need the little kids doing that. Right. Come on. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And like, I remember, and Brandon, and you and I talked about this in one of the early episodes of the show, where my viewing habits changed so much uh, after I became a dad, where there were certain things I just couldn't watch anymore because emotionally it was too intense. Like any show, in which a child was in danger in any way before uh my son was born that you know it's just entertainment and it's just oh high stakes a thriller that kind of thing but nowadays like if there's a kid walking up the stairs and there's like a, a shooter at the top of the stairs shooting people or something like that i can't i gotta turn it off i gotta do something else i was watching some movie called um no way out or no escape or something like that with owen wilson and he's with his family in a hotel and terrorists attack yeah. the hotel and it was just it was kind of it was a little too realistic and the danger was a little too real for me. So I emotionally, I just couldn't get through it. Has anything like about what you consume and like what you think about and what shows you're watching, has any of that kind of changed now that you're a dad? No, not really. Now mm -hmm. the biggest difference is now when I see births or, or pregnancy in shows, I'm like, yeah, it doesn't happen that way. Exactly. Like, that's a little too clean. Oh yeah. Yeah. The baby never comes it. out. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. the positive uh, kid stuff, right? Like that. I'm just like, LOL, no way, bro. Yeah, like, exactly. It, it's always the water breaking or whatever. Or right. It's like, yeah. it, as soon as you get into the hospital, you're delivering five minutes later. And I'm like, come on, guys, not even, not even close. Right. Tell that to Jesse's wife, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. 18 <laughs> hours. Um, And then, and then like they just magically cut to, you know, later on, happily ever right. after the kids all, celebrating their first birthday and they completely gloss over. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. I mean, it would be dull to cover the first like six months in reality because there's nothing yeah. going on. Yeah. There's uh, a lot where than, the kids just lying there. Other than just a terrible uh, amount of sleep. But yeah, I think it's I think it's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, Richard, um, I have one last question for you, and this is something that we ask every parent that comes on the show. Having gone, I know you're just eight weeks into the process, um, but either what have you learned along the way that you think every new parent should know? Um, or what is the best, maybe the best piece of advice someone kind of gave you right off the bat in terms of parenting that you would want to share? Something that I, I really wish I would have listened to is to prepare meals ahead of time because you're just so out of it and tired and busy and everything's going on. And admittedly, when I heard that, like I'd said earlier, both my wife and I are stubborn. When I heard that, I was like, so one of us will take care of the kid and one of us will cook like no big deal. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're doing now, but it's still a lot of work. So 
I wish I would have done more to do some meal prepping and, and things like that. Gotcha. Yeah, that's a really good life hack. Um, yeah. it, and it'll pay off as the kid gets older and older, too, uh, if yeah. you develop that habit. Um, it, we're still not good at it, uh, especially now that my kid's three years old. Like, we're finding out that we have to plan our meals at the beginning of the week or else <clears throat> we, we both end up working late and we don't have anything prepared to cook. And so I just have to go get takeout somewhere. And you can't do that every day with the kid once in a while. You can get away with it. But yeah, I agree. That's a yeah. that's a really good tip. Well, Richard, is there anything else you would like to share <laughs> with Dad's Planning's listeners while we've got you? Something that I did for, for my wife, uh, I got her a, a Christmas present after knowing that we were expecting. I got her a, it's called a five-year journal. And basically, it's, it's a journal. There's an entry for every day, but there's five slots. What we're planning on doing is we're going to do one and then do another one when we're done with that and so on and so forth. And then on, let's just say her 18th birthday, we're going to give her this like bundle of journals of how her life has, has been and like different things that she's done. And on days that nothing's really happened, we've just added a quote of significance. That's something unique that I've never really heard of people doing. So yeah. I, I wish I had the patience because uh, I, I got a journal. I don't think it was around the time of the birth of my son or anything like that, but maybe somewhere in there where like I could have been writing in it and I just like tried. And I remember some of those early days because I would write in the middle of the night and be like, you have kept me up all night. Please stop crying. <laughs> and I thought the same thing as you. I'm just going to like shove it back in his face one day and be like, right. this is what kind of a, a turd you were. <laughs> um, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that we write in it every single night, but oh, there are sure. times when we'll skip a few nights and then we'll just do some backlogging. Yeah. But, are you getting in some like zingers every now and then too? Just like a couple of like, dude, come on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to have some of those. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll throw a nice nod to my wife. One nice thing that she did, though, is in my journal, which I don't use a lot. On Father's Day, she writes a nice something every Father's Day about me being a dad and about my son and things like that. And so maybe um, like when he's old enough to write, he's only three, you know, he can contribute oh. to that. That's yeah. awesome. I, I um, you know, just extra little tip to throw in there just while we're talking about journaling and that kind of thing. I try to keep a daily journal. Uh, it's not something that I'm going to share with my kid one day, just something for myself to kind of catalog my thoughts and emotions and things like that. And I'd say especially for young parents that are dealing with uh, a complete shift in their identity and their daily schedule and new frustrations and things you're stressed and worried about anything you can do to kind of put that down on paper and figure out how you're feeling. So you're not walking around frustrated and not sure why you're frustrated. I I'd say would really be beneficial. Richard, I am so glad that you were able to come on and share your story with us today. Um, I would love to hear back from you uh, as things go on and as your uh, daughter grows up and develops any new challenges that come along or any cool new surprises, anything you'd like to share, please keep in touch with us and we'd love to have you back on sometime. All right, sounds good. So that'll do it for this week's episode of Dad's Planning. Brandon, between this week and next week, where can our listeners find us? Please give us a like or a follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dadsplaining Podcasts. You can reach out to us directly, dadsplainingpodcast at gmail.com. And then you can check out this and every episode anywhere you get your podcasts. We upload new episodes every week. Usually it's Mondays, some weeks it's Wednesdays, some weeks it's Tuesdays. It's just, uh, you know, whenever our busy dad schedules allow us to. But we also record live over Facebook live every week. So if you're following us on Facebook, you can actually watch us and catch all the mistakes that I cut out of the final episode, which uh, I make a lot of those mistakes. So I find myself editing 
myself a lot. So join in for the fun. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Dad's Planning a Parenting Group, and tune in next time. And until next time, I'm Jesse. And I'm Brandon. And Richard sent us a uh, kind of a a PG-13 dad joke uh, that I think is just something fun for dads to share. Richard, uh, throw us that dad joke. So uh, how do you catch a polar bear? I don't know how. You dig a hole in the ice, you put peas around the hole. When the bear comes to take a pea, you kick him in the ice hole. <laughs> yeah, I won't be sharing that one with David anytime soon, but as soon as he gets old enough for Christmas, yeah, that's, 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 uh... that's a little risky. But... It's, it feels like one I was thinking about the other day. Uh, like, uh, what's the most terrifying animal to get into a fist fight with? I don't know. It's a squirrel. Why? Because they always go for the nuts. <laughs> I'm a sucker for a good dad pun. Yeah. I love it. it. I feel really thematically uh, perfectly in there with the polar bear joke. So Mm -hmm. this is, this is our one episode. We went up to PG 13 level with the dad jokes. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm honored to be a part of it. Great. I'll put a, I'll put a little rating. Yeah. Yeah, Awesome. All right. Thanks folks for listening. We'll catch you next week. The advice and opinions expressed on dadsplaining are solely those of its hosts and guests and should not be substituted for the advice of professionals. If you have a serious concern about the health or development of your child, please consult with your pediatrician. If you're experiencing an emergency, please call 911. Don't listen to us. We're really just good for dad jokes. If you're enjoying Dad's Planning, you might enjoy this other podcast from our friends here at WSB Radio. Hello, friends. This is Jared Yamamoto from The Power Pod, and we are a weekly recap show where we cover the current events of the week. And of course, during these times, COVID-19 is on everybody's mind. We will cover the good, the bad, and the ugly regarding this crisis. We will be serious with the coronavirus, but we will also find ways to have fun with it as well. So be sure to check us out Saturdays from 11 to noon and Sunday mornings from 9 to 11 on 98.7 FM and AM 1340 WGAU or grab the PowerPod podcast on any of your favorite podcast providers or your favorite smart speaker.